You're now listening to the You Run Podcast. True crime. This podcast is unique. Heather, tell them why. You choose the cases. You share your opinion. And I hit you with mine. Yeah, he got an easier death than he deserved. Casey was the first Illinois prisoner executed against his will. An eyewitness later described Bundy's last moments of life. He made reference to his loved ones and to his family when he was saying his last words. A serial killer comes about by circumstances and like, um... This is the You Run Podcast. This is the only true crime podcast where we put you in control. You become part of our team as me and Heather take you through the cases that you have chosen. This is not our show. This is your true crime. That bitch is cray cray. She's real crazy. Hello. Welcome to the You Run Podcast True Crime. My name is Scott. And I'm Heather. And if you haven't listened to the show before, it's a little bit different to other true crime podcasts. I think is a safe way to describe it. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing that's different is you get to choose the cases. You do this either voting or on Instagram polls. Or simply call the show and say, we want you to do this case. And guess what? We'll do that case. Um, The other difference and probably the most significant one is me and Heather do not sit and go. And then he entered the room. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes we say that. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, yeah, we're not reading from a fucking script. We're just talking out of our ass, which is even better. Yeah, well, we give you all the facts, but we also discuss it and we talk about it as well. We don't just give you the facts and at the end go, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We give you one episode a month, which is our full case. um, And then we give you an extended cut episode as well, because we got lots Mm -hmm. of people saying that one wasn't enough. So we brought an extra Mm -hmm. one in. Um, You get one of these at the beginning of the month, one in the middle, and we do that all year for you. Uh, we also give you an extended cut, lots of things like extra facts and more weird and wonderful stuff that happens around true crime and also where to go and find movies and documentaries and books and anything else you need to to do that. Um, we're a very interactive show. We give you lots of ways to get involved. So on Instagram, you can give your views or facts when we ask you about a case. You can get hold of the show. You can call the show. So in the episode you're listening to now. At the bottom of the description, there's a link. If you click that, that will take you to where you can record us a voicemail. You can also do that at urunpodcast.com. Or if you don't like either of those two options, you can send us an audio DM on Instagram. Uh, Any voicemail you leave us will end up on the show. It will get played. Uh, You can also email us as well. uh, urunpodcast at gmail.com. You can share your stories, your thoughts. You can ask us to do a case whatever and we'll also read those emails out too um i've got some dms that we've received in the last Mm -hmm. couple of days Mm -hmm. Um, i can't wait i was waiting for this part i'm (laughs) interrupting i don't care when i'm reading over our script notes you know like our what what we're going to do our uh, show on i'm like oh i can't wait for this part anyway continue Uh, we've received some dms uh from two listeners uh, and i'm going to read those later in the show and share those with Mm -hmm. you um they're um yeah, they're interested. One of them was definitely not the DM I expected to get. <laughs> so, so juicy, I can't yeah. wait. Uh, but we'll leave, we'll leave that for later. Um, today you have chosen a killer that terrified a section of the UK 
no, uh, UK, uh, West Yorkshire to be exact, for over a decade. Uh, his crimes and attacks were so vile, he was named after one of the most vicious serial killers of all time, Jack the yes. Ripper. Um, fun fact, Jack the Ripper was our first case. So if you're new to the show yes. and you, you want to know about that, you can go all the way back to the beginning and listen to that. Uh, with a total of 13 murders and 11 attacks, this killer holds a place in infamy within British memory. His case appeals and other crimes added up until the late 2010s. Today, we're taking you through the life and times and the crimes of the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe. Well, I'd been talking, saying things good for about two years, but this this time it was giving me advice that wasn't really good, saying that there's a problem in society. Don't you realise why you've had the good advice for two years? It's all been leading up to this. You've got a mission to go on and get rid of these people. I'm Jack. I see you are still having no luck catching me. I have the greatest respect for you, George. But Lord, you are no nearer catching me now than four years ago when I started. So that's how it all started, turned from good advice to bad. So that's when I started on the first attack. Um, with a, a sock and a load of pebbles in it, and I hit one on the head. It was a clumsy attack, proving it was my first attempt. This last victim was a 19-year-old student at Leeds University, Jacqueline Hill. Her death led to the setting up of a new super squad of top detectives. They claim to have had a pile of new information from the public. But they warn women who've been going out armed with knives and sharpened steel combs that they do risk arrest for carrying offensive weapons. Tonight, one hospital in Leeds is on red alert after telephone threats that one of the nurses there would be the Ripper's 14th victim. This is the question in relation to the Yorkshire Ripper murders. It is anticipated that he will appear before the court in Dewsbury tomorrow. Is it fair then to say that the general hunt for the so-called Yorkshire Ripper is now being wound down but from this moment on? Right. Now, for those of you who've listened to the show since the very, very beginning, um, or any week really, will know that I'm not particularly a fan <laughs> of true crime. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain cases that I struggle to digest and get my head around. Um, at times, this has caused me to do lots of pauses and uh, noises. Yeah. And on rare occasions, it's caused me to end the episode abruptly, which happened with the <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer case. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like, be, we don't, bitch. It's like when you leave a voicemail and then you're just like, oh, shit, hang up. Like, I was like, we're done. We're done. Uh, for those of you who've reached out in the past i am okay after that dharma Mm. episode i had i had quite a few messages going it's really affected you hasn't it i was like yeah it has are you okay yeah Yeah, i'm fine Uh, and if you've listened to our latest extended cut you know that i'm i'm okay i bounce back um you'll be pleased to know for those of you who do care that this episode was very very hard to research but it didn't break me as much as I thought it was going to. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that's your fault, Heather. That That's <laughs> you, you and the listeners of uh, over time have hardened me to stuff now. And I don't I think, think so. after Dharma, I don't think there's anything. It's going to have to be a seriously mm. bad case to break me after Dharma. 
I think that if in the future we get Fred and Rosemary West, that's going to fuck your head up a little bit. I wouldn't say, mm, I don't know if I'm going to huh. classify it as worse than Dahmer, but there are some aspects of it to me that are worse than Dahmer. And knowing our listeners, do you know what you've just done? You've basically just <laughs> announced to the listeners, please request Fred and Rose West. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. I think they've been in our poll at one point, I believe. Either yeah. either Rosemary has for women and then Fred has been. But um, I would like to get a guest on with that one for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. And then I can just sit in the corner and sob while you just talk about it. <laughs> you can just sit in the corner and drink your fucking green can beer. That's what I call it. Hey, I, people don't know. Hey. I, I, I'm not drinking green can beer tonight. Not oh oh I see the green can. We're we're a video. Just so you guys know, we're not a video platform, but we video and I see things. So what's the green can beside you right there? Uh, that is a beer, but I'm not drinking that today. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you need to take a break. Okay, I got. Yeah, it. I understand. I'm not drinking today either. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. You you've got an excuse. My excuse is I'm a lightweight and I can't because I drank last oh, night. <laughs> too much, too much fun. Anyways, <laughs> anyway, let's um, so let's get into it. Uh, Peter okay. Sutcliffe was born in. 1946 to a working class family in Bingley, uh, which is in Yorkshire, which is in the north part of England. Uh, His parents were John and Kathleen and they were a split religion household. So John was an Anglian faith and Kathleen was Roman Catholic. Uh, Oddly enough, when I read that, that's exactly the same as my upbringing. Uh, The only difference is my dad. So my dad was Roman Catholic and my mum was Anglian, which is like Church of England. Faith. Okay, that's what I was going to ask because I've never heard of, of that England. So I was like, yes, yeah, so it's, it's Church Church of England. So Christian gotcha. faith, but not Catholic. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's the same split that I grew up with. Um, yeah. Peter, Peter was raised Roman Catholic, uh, attended church, and done a stint as an altar boy. Something else I have in common with Peter Sutcliffe. Were you an altar boy? I was indeed. Did you? You didn't get with the. No. Okay, see what I'm do- okay, yeah, you. no, I, I wasn't able to buy long enough for that to happen. They didn't touch your booty or anything weird. Okay, good. No, no. Hey, hey, I'm just saying, read a fucking newspaper, y'all, and you'll understand <laughs> some. there's some shit going on. Yeah, yeah, pr- priests do tend to like little boys. Anyway, moving on before <laughs> we get cancelled. Uh, yeah. keeping, <laughs> keeping the usual trend of our serial killers' upbringings, uh, Peter's dad was an abusive alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his brothers remembers a time where Peter sat in his dad's chair at the table at Christmas Day, and his dad beat him with a belt. Number one, don't beat your kids. Number two, yeah. if you do beat your kids, what sort of a monster beats their kid on Christmas Day? Uh, and I also have a problem with, with I think it's okay to spank your child. There's a difference in beating and spanking, right? Or, or disciplining. I am actually not really a, um, I don't spank particularly, but using a belt is like, I think I get it. Like I, I got spanked with a belt when I was a kid. I know it happened once my dad did it. And uh, I, it's not the 80s anymore or, the, no. or that time frame. So it's a lot different and you'll get kids that are cry wolf and your ass is going to be in jail because they said they beat you. Yeah. I, I get it. But also, yeah, I don't advocate, like, don't hit them with a bell. Hit on Christmas. What the fuck? 
Yeah, he he does that on Christmas. Merry Christmas. Glad you liked your presents. Whack. Get out of my chair. What, what an yeah, asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from this, because there's not much about Peter's life when he was mm-hmm. a kid, purely for the fact that he had he had a horrible horrible upbringing with an asshole of a dad. But exactly. he was fairly normal in school. There was nothing there was nothing strange to report. He had a normal childhood in a relatively normal home, minus his abusive dad. Um mm-hmm. So we're going to jump forward in time to sort of when Peter started working and and getting a bit of his own life. So by the time Peter met Sonia, who would later become his wife in 1967, he already had a long list of jobs. So he worked twice as a grave digger, um, which I can't imagine how horrible that job would be. Um, Mm. And this is where it's rumoured that he had he developed an interest Mm. in the weird and the macabre and death. Um, necrophilia and necrophilia let's that that i couldn't find that it was proven it was just speculated that he possibly did that uh, i've got a very interesting yeah. fact that we'll share later that i think okay. confirms that Good. um he also worked on a production line um where he he done really well and he was asked to go as a salesman on the road and he went fuck mm-hmm. no and he didn't want to do it so much that he just quit um, he ended up working as a, a long distance lorry driver. He done stints working in various different places. He bounced around a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, this time in his life, there's really not many facts. Um, but there was lots of rumours and hearsay about his mm-hmm. behaviour. So, so some people say that when he was younger and like before he got married, he used to frequent prostitutes. And he allegedly yeah. had a bad experience with a prostitute over money and that involved a row with their pimp. Um, We don't know if that's true or not. That's just a rumour. But what we do know is he did used to go to the red light district before he Mm -hmm. could drive. And he used to sit there and watch the prostitutes, which we all like people watching, but that's weird. Um, I mean, my whole thing is, is that they had an actual area for the prostitutes, correct? Like the red light district is, For me, that's so uh, insane to think about because, like, where I live, like, if you wouldn't see, I'm not saying that there's not, there's prostitutes everywhere or sex workers, should we say. I, I'm sure they're, they are, but it's not like a, I guess you'd have to know where to go. And I don't know where to go to see that. I wouldn't be on that side of town, let me tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> so weird I, I think you'll be surprised i think if you get on google you'll find your local red light district i think everywhere has one i mean i'm just saying i know some of the areas are shady as fuck where i live like there's some areas and i know for sure some of those poor women are doing some things with their body for some monies but like i said it's just so open like oh go into the red light district yeah. watch prostitute or prostitutes because that's what they would call them then yeah, yeah, and he, he'd literally go and sit there and he'd watch them get in and out of the cars, and he, he I don't know, it's just, it's just fucking weird, it's odd. Okay, I, I'm going to add to you real quick before we move on, is that when I was, like, reading and doing some research on him, I read that he had a fascination with STDs. Um, yes. That maybe contributed to, because of messing with prostitutes at the time when he was messing with them. I don't know if one gave him one. Possibly because that not trying to be mean, a mean bitch, but like that's likely to happen. Come on, yeah. um, especially in that time frame when protection and things like that were not used. Um, so I don't know who would get fascinated with STDs, 
but that's no. what I read, and I was like, that's very weird. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange obsession to have, yeah. Pros- prostitutes and diseases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, on the 10th of August, 1974, Peter and Sonia were married and began the process to start a family. Um, Sonia sadly suffered a, a miscarriage or multiple miscarriages, uh-huh. uh, and they were told by doctors in 1975 that they couldn't have children. Um, Sonia went back to train as a teacher, and it was at this point she had an affair with an ice cream driver. Who the fuck has an affair with an ice cream man? That affair was ice cold. (laughs) Bad. Maybe she wanted his cream and hid Mr. Whippy instead. Oh, there you go. That's better. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't have, okay, like, again, this is why we go up on, this is what makes me go up on tangents and mid, we're trying to explain Peter. Nobody really gives a shit about him. He's Peter, suck it. Anyways, but like an ice cream van truck, like I've seen some of the o- older fellows that do ice cream. Like we have an ice cream truck that comes by every once in a while. No, thank you. Um, no. And also, have you ever seen Ice Cream Man, the movie with Clint Howard? Love him, met him. He's so sweet. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? Have you yeah. seen him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I thought it was really weird. And it doesn't say anywhere whether Peter found out or not. And I find it really bizarre because if that fact exists, I'm assuming that Peter Sutcliffe knew this happened and he just kind of accepted it and went on with life. I think he cared. Okay, so that's the thing. that That's kind of the thing with him, researching him. Like we we spoke about this prior, that there's not a lot of solid confirmed information. It's like you can research him and find, kind of find like a handful of shit. We didn't, I didn't find anything about his wife having an affair, and maybe she did. She couldn't get pregnant, and maybe that caused, I mean, who knows what yeah. actually happened, you know? Um, in 1977, she completed her course, um, and the two of them bought a house in Leeds, Bradford. This is the same house they were living in when Peter was finally arrested. Um, okay. So they stayed, they stayed married throughout everything that's about to come. Um, yes. Now we've had a little bit of a backplot, and it shows that he's a fairly normal guy not much has happened he goes and watches prostitutes but it's yeah. not it's not the most vicious of crimes ever so why don't we find out why he went from being a reasonably happily married man to getting the title the yorkshire ripper let's do it okay um as i said at the beginning of the episode peter didn't only kill women he also attacked them Um, And this is how it all started for him. So in 1969, um, annoyingly, we don't have the name for the first victim, um, but I'll explain why in a second. Mm -hmm. So Peter followed a prostitute down an alleyway, thinking she was another prostitute he'd allegedly had a falling out with. Um, He took out a sock with a large stone in it and smashed her over the head. Mm -hmm. He'd got his friend Trevor to give him a lift to go and find this girl that he was looking for. And when yeah. Peter come back to the car, he was visibly shaken and basically was like, drive, drive, go, go, go. Um, yeah. Peter's stupid, I think, is the gist of it. He's not the brightest bulb in the box. And no. the prostitute saw the number plate of the car that he got into. And she reported it to the police. Uh, mm-hmm. Police came to his house the following morning and he admitted hitting her, adding that he hit her so hard the stone come out of the sock. And flew away. I think he 
I think he was like practicing as well, if I remember correctly, that that's kind of like before he maybe like really killed anybody. Yeah, yeah, this he, is literally his first. Yeah, it's like he's just practicing with a sock full of fucking rocks. And I'm like, why did you tell him that you did? Like, Yeah, he, he literally went, yeah, I did that. Uh, he was not arrested. Of course. And he wasn't arrested because the victim did not want to pursue things. Um the police officer told him he was very lucky. I don't know how it works in the States, but here, if someone mm-hmm. assaults you and they viciously assault you and then the police go and talk to them and they go, yeah, I've done that. And the police ask you if you want to press charges. If you say no, that person walks free. Um, from what I understand, that that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I do understand that they can ask. We'll talk about, let me say, a domestic situation, right? Let's say that. You have a husband and wife, one hits the other, or whatever. They're not both hitting each other, but one hits the other. And they have the police call, and they say, hey, you know, so-and-so, do you want to press charges? I feel like, even if you say no, I feel like they can still be arrested. And now, don't, I need to fact check myself on that. But I feel like if um, you see a woman or a man with a bloody nose or a fucking black eye, and even if you're like, no, I don't want to press charges because that's a toxic relationship, obviously. I still think the police can take can. that person because they're like, you're in a serious situation and your fucking nose is bleeding or your eye is blackened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, over here, it's not that simple. Our, 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 our judicial system has lots of issues, same as the states. Ours well, are just oh, yeah. Issues. I mean, the, every, every, all of them do. I mean, the yeah. fact that they don't. With what we're about to get into with them basically doing nothing. Like, yeah. what is... For ages. You, look, if you wanted to do something bad, you need a fucking time machine to go back to that time. Because that's yeah. the only time you can get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and free, free advice. So we're about to tell you what Peter went on to do. So my free advice yeah. to you is if you are ever attacked by someone, report it and pursue it all the way through. Because you could yeah. save someone's life. Exactly. And had this woman done this, she would have saved 13 people's lives and another 10 attacks. Um, But she didn't. So I believe Peter attacked a lot more people in the gap between the first one and the next one. Um, But officially on the record, his second attack came in 1975. Mm -hmm. Um, Something I found strange in the Dharma case, and it appears here again, is, is this extended break. So his first victim was 1969 and then he didn't do anything till 1975 um mm-hmm. with Dharma, i kind of understood it because you explained it with like the circumstance of where he was living and yeah I, with this case i don't understand it and i don't believe it and i think he did attack more people it was just simply he didn't get caught yeah th- that's a possibility because of the fact that he was attacking if you want to compare it to Dahmer, people that were not of importance in the police officer's eyes in the judicial system it was sort of like hey nobody's gonna know if ruby Rowe gets her brains knocked in like they're not gonna no one's gonna go file a missing persons report on this poor woman and so but with that being said he also could have taken a break because sort of the same reason he could have gotten caught right he's not skilled enough to continue it and maybe he was trying to be methodical and that happened we'll get yeah. to that 
over the course of serial killers. Yeah, we will. Fifth <laughs> uh, <laughs> of July, nineteen seventy-five, he attacked Anna Rajuskal. I think I can't pronounce that very well. Um, I can't, I'm not saying it. You no. didn't mess it up. Um, knocking her unconscious with a hammer and then slashing her stomach with a knife. Yeah. He, he was interrupted and Anna thankfully survived. Um, she had to have serious brain surgery and suffered mm-hmm. psychological scars, um, which she, yeah, she has said basically it's, there's points in her life where she wished she had yeah. died in the mm-hmm. attack because of how much she suffered mentally afterwards. She okay. found the recovery harder than if Peter had killed her, which yep. is sad. Um, 15th of August, he struck again. Uh, this time was Olive Smelt. Again, he hit her repeatedly over the head with a hammer before pulling some of her clothing off to expose her back, where he slashed her multiple times. Um, again, he was interrupted and he fled, and Olive, Olive survived. Um, neither of these victims had any description of him, couldn't remember anything. And I suppose that comes from a hammer to the back of the head, followed by well, brain surgery, that's, probably. That, that, that's- yeah, that's true, because I was going to say he didn't disguise his face or anything from what I uh, no. know and understand. It wasn't like he was just in plain sight. But if you hit somebody over the head and knocked them unconscious, they're not going to, I would say you're not going to remember. No, no. And, and they didn't. And it was only 12 days later and he struck again. This time he yeah. attacked a 14 year old girl named Tracy Brown. Uh, he struck her on the back of the head five times with a hammer. Uh, before fleeing as the headlights of a passing car went past and and lit him up. Uh, She survived again and had to have surgery uh, to Mm -hmm. to fix the damage. Um, This is not a crime he was convicted of. So some of these attacks he wasn't convicted of, but he did later confess to them after he was convicted. Mm -hmm. Um, It was October 1975 where he finally reached his ultimate goal. Uh, he attacked Wilma McCann. Wilma was a mother of four, and he hit her on the back of the head with a hammer twice before stabbing her in the throat. He would continue to stab her twice in the chest below her right breast and three times below her left breast, a further nine stab wounds to her stomach around her belly button. Um, this sparked a huge police investigation, but the police investigation was really half assed They had 150 yeah. officers and they interviewed 11,000 people in the local area, failing to identify him. What? 11,000? They'd done 150 officers for three weeks, I think it was, door-to-door. And nobody... Okay, anyway, anyway. Uh, nobody, no, nobody knew anything. And part of the reason for that was the area that the police were doing door-to-door in was an area that was had a heavy mm-hmm. migrant population. Uh, there was okay. a lot. There was a, a big black population mm-hmm. there. There was a a large Asian contingent in that part of Leeds, and okay. the police were that. the police were assholes to them. And the same as in Dharma, they did not want to help. They wanted the police to go away because the police were horrible. It's a. I'm telling you, it's a trend. Like yeah. especially seventies, like seventies, eighties. I swear that's like the worst fucking time. Don't be a cop. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. In 2007, McCann's eldest daughter committed suicide. Um, mm-hmm. She said that she could no longer deal with the trauma that was caused over the way her mother was murdered and ended her life. So as far that's as I'm horrible. concerned, that's an additional victim that Peter Sutcliffe took. 
Yeah, he did. I mean, um, not physically, but yes, he did. He did through his own uh, malicious acts. Yeah, he took it. That's horrible. I yeah, that makes me sad. It makes me sad as well because that's a long time, nineteen seventy-five to two thousand and seven, to suffer with that. And then living with that. Yeah. Um, in January 1986, Peter murdered 42-year-old Emily Jackson, who had not been a prostitute for very long. She'd only been doing it for a couple of weeks. So her and her husband were short of money, and it was her husband's mm-hmm. suggestion. And he used mm-hmm. to send her out in the – he had a roofing company, and he used to send her out in the van. And she used to work out of the back of the van because he thought that would be safer than her using back alleys. What a husband. Oh. What a guy. What a catch I don't know he how to feel. I know, I know. It's easy. It is easy to be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why would you? But I guess, like, it wasn't that weird because they were struggling for money. But, yeah, again, like, it's like if Stephen was like, go sell your vagina, I'd be like, go sell your dick. Fuck you. No. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I... I don't get it. I don't know why she would agree to that. No, I would love to see that conversation between you and your husband, though, where he goes, I'll let you use the work truck. (laughs) (laughs) Clean that shit up first. Get all this fucking the shit out of the back of it. No, Uh I'm not. I don't even want. No, we're not getting into that. (laughs) Um, Peter struck her twice on the back of the head with a hammer uh, before dragging her into an area of wasteland where he would stab her 52 times. Uh, he then overkill. Massive overkill. He then stamped on her thigh so hard that he left a footprint bruise. Okay, well, he left a footprint. On her thigh. Mm. They couldn't do anything with that, though, right? I, I'm assuming, no. given the stuff that we know, like, they yeah. didn't do anything. Okay. Yeah. It makes so a lot of sense. They, they looked at the footprint and they took an impression of it and they found other footprints at other crime scenes, but okay. it was a, a generic boot. And as mm-hmm. they said, there were so many people wearing that boot, it would be the most ridiculous line of inquiry to try and follow. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I just, it's lazy police work. Yeah. Not everybody was wearing that same fucking boot. Now, come on. <laughs> exactly that. Um, in May, Peter attacked Marcella Claxon. Uh, she accepted a lift from him. So she was coming back from a, a party and he pulled over and asked if she needed to lift. Don't get in the car with strangers, for the love of God. Hitchhiking, man. That was a thing in the 70s. It's just like with Dahmer. It's just like you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like yeah. any horror movie or real life, people don't really hitchhike that I know of now. I don't really think, I think it's a dying trend. Yeah. Literally. But like in the seventies and sixties, it just wasn't a problem. Most most of the time, you didn't get murdered. I'm just saying you didn't. The, the next bit I found a little bit strange because I've never seen a woman do this before. So she got out of the car to go for a wee down an alleyway. Uh huh. Um, I've never seen a woman wee in the street before. I've not seen she that. Popped a squat. I, I, guess. I, I don't know. Uh, but whatever she was doing, he then <laughs> hit her on the back of the head, hit back of the head with a hammer. Um. She survived, and she also testified at his trial. Um, she had to have multiple brain operations. Uh, she was also four months pregnant at the time of the attack, which resulted oh, wow. in a miscarriage of her baby. Um, That's brutal, absolutely it, brutal. But his 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 track record is like shit. He's terrible. He's not a very good killer. 
I mean, uh, that's what I was just about to say. You just took that from me. That's fine. But it's <laughs> like, what kind of serial killer are you that half of these women, a lot of them have survived, although they have traumatic brain injuries. But then you still out here doing shit. Like, what the fuck? You still out here doing shit. These, I'm sorry. One of them, y'all better put your brains together and get this man off the street. But nobody did anything. No. And so far, all of yeah. these victims have been prostitutes or believed to be yes. prostitutes. Yes, yes. Um, in February 1977, uh, Peter attacked and married, uh, murdered Irene Richardson. She was a local prostitute and he went overboard. He bludgeoned her to death with a hammer um, before mutilating her corpse with a knife. Tire tracks were found at the scene of the crime. Uh, which resulted in one of the largest suspect pools of vehicles ever created hmm. because the tyres were very generic. And the police didn't release that information because what they didn't want to do was release the information and then him change his tyres. Okay, but also let me ask you this, because you do live in the UK. I'm not familiar with the regions and you know things like that. But... In in that area of what you know, is that like a huge area or would that be like a more rural, smaller um, town? Like, so I'm his, not sure. No, it, it's a bit. So his murders spanned a couple of cities that are about okay. 70 miles apart. So the yeah. majority of his murders happened in Leeds, Bradford area. And then okay. he had a couple of murders in Manchester as well. Uh, and also, I know Manchester, Manchester, but the rest of it, yeah. I'm like, ah, I don't know my geography well enough to know where the stuff's at. Yeah, so they all happened in red light districts or in and around red light districts. Uh, but okay. he did he did bounce around a bit in the north of England. And part okay. of the reason he travelled so easily is they'd just finished a motorway which linked the major cities in the north of England. Okay. So he, it, by them making the motorway easy for everyone to travel, also made it easy for serial killers to travel from town to town. Well, that make, I mean, that makes sense. Like, I get that. But the whole, like tire tracks and you have an actual footprint and it's like oh everybody has these tires everybody wears these boots yeah yeah okay, sure. <laughs> whatever i mean it's it's whatever i'm fine i'm over it the crazy thing is at this time the police still had not really done a great deal they were kind of like no. oh, these are prostitute attacks these are prostitute murders oh well that's kind of the attitude they investigated them but it was We'll investigate. Oh, Mrs. Smith, you've had your loaf of bread stolen. Oh, we will get on that right away. And that was the priority over. Well, it ha- it has to do with the class with the class of people that they were put in. Yeah. And so most of the time, I hate to say it, but it's, it's they didn't care about them. No. It was, like, it was a prostitute, a prostitute. Yeah. They didn't really even have an, I'm sure they didn't really say a name. It was no. just like, meh, whatever. It yeah, where she came from. Uh, it, that's exactly the attitude they had. And in 1977, yeah. in April, he killed another prostitute called Tina Atkinson. Um, mm-hmm. This is the first time he killed indoors. So he went to her apartment, which was in a, a slums, the wrong word, in a rough part of town. Um, yeah. He killed her in her apartment. And when the forensic team were, came to investigate, they found bloody footprints that walked away from the body. And I then just went, need you to stop. I, I can't deal. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. These, so they, these cops they, are stupid. They found bloody footprints <laughs> that walked away from the body, then went back to the body and repositioned the body and then walked out again. So they had a multitude of footprints in there. 
Um, uh-huh. And he'd gone back to reposition the body so it was exactly how he wanted it to look when the police arrived. Which was something that the Ripper did. It, it's something that Jack the Ripper did. Yes, he, yes, he was so he was posing with the body. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Police still still didn't give a, a shit. Um, mm-hmm. So two months later, he killed a 16 year old girl called Jane McDonald, who was not a prostitute. And this is when everything changed. Mm-hmm. So 1970, the general attitude was he's killing prostitute. If you're not a prostitute, you're safe. And that was being put in the papers as well. See, that's so it's so asinine that you would say something so disheartening like that and be yeah. like, it's fine. If you're not a hooker, you're yeah. fine. It's it, like, no. Like, how does he know that you're not one if you happen to be walking outside of the district? It it goes one step further as the police describe Jane as the first innocent victim of the Yorkshire Ripper. That's disgusting, Scott. It's I mean, awful. they're all innocent. That it doesn't matter. Look, this is the thing. If they're sex workers and that's what they chose to do, it is not for us to be like, oh, she's not worth shit because she did this. No, that is not the point. It's like she's going through whatever she's going through, and some of these women have no other choice. They did not deserve to die. No, no, they don't. The police and they suck. The police do suck. They get They're worse. They're worse. They might be worse than Tower Police. They, they get worse <sighs> as well. Um, <sighs> he also seriously attacked uh, Maureen Long in July of that year, uh, <sighs> leaving her severely injured. And she actually caught hypothermia uh, and spent nine weeks in hospital recovering. Um, a car was identified by a passerby who didn't go and help Maureen, but reported the crime. People are arseholes. They really are. Y'all, you just, I'm getting mad. Like, this pissing me off. <laughs> um, this led to, so they, they identified the car, but they identified the wrong car, which yeah. led to 300 officers checking thousands of cars with, funnily enough, no success because they were looking for the wrong car. Um, In October 1977, so he's going again, uh, he murdered Mm -hmm. Jean Jordan, a prostitute from Manchester. So this is where he drove uh, almost 100 miles across country. Um, He hit her with a hammer and mutilated her her body. Um, This crime is the first crime scene we know of that he returned to. So the going rate for uh, a prostitute in the 1970s was five pound a go. About five dollars, about six dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the time, the Bank of England had just issued new £5 notes, which were the first notes to have serial numbers on them. And he okay. paid for this prostitute with a new £5 note. Okay. When he got home, it dawned on him that all the new £5 notes have serial numbers on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he went, oh, fuck. And he went back to retrieve his £5 note. Um, he dragged her body out into the field where he searched her bag he then mutilated her further in a rage that he couldn't find his £5 note. Um, October the 9th, so eight days later, her body was found. Uh, in her bag, there was a secret compartment where the £5 note was discovered. It was tracked and traced, as he thought it would be, back to a West Midland bank. Um, mm-hmm. The way I don't know if anyone knows this. I'm going to explain it. If you do know it, I apologise. So in the 1970s, everyone was paid in cash. You didn't have money transferred into your bank. So okay. the way the way it happened, money would come from the Bank of England to your local bank. That money would then be sent to local employers who would then put that in an employee's pay packet. 
Okay, I mean, that's no, different. I mean, this yeah. is different, but whatever no, works. Because all the numbers were traced, they knew what bank it went to. They then worked okay. out that it went to one of four different employers that had a total of 8,000 employees. So they yeah. knew one of those employees had that £5 note that paid the prostitute. Yeah. So they interviewed all 8,000 employees, including Peter Sutcliffe. A lot of time on their hands. They had a massive task force on this ginormous task force. After... I mean, I, I, I get that, but that's a lot of people. Yeah, huge yeah. amount. And and the way they done it is they went to the workplace and they interviewed them at their work. Okay. So they they would turn up at a factory that's got three thousand workers and go, "We're here for the next three days. Uh, we've we've got your you. we, we've got your employee list. Uh, we'll start with A, and we're going to work our way through." Um, gotcha. And they interviewed Peter Sutcliffe and he gave an alibi that he was at a family party. <laughs> they checked his alibi and his alibi checked out because he was at a family party. But mm-hmm. he left the family party at seven o'clock and no one asked uh, no one asked what time he left the party. Then the, then you're not doing your fucking job because that's not really an alibi, nor are you actually asking the right question because it's typically where were you from these hours to this these yeah. hours not like where are you at at 6 35 oh you're at the party say you never left so you just assume everything okay P- pretty Bye. much I, I put part of that down to the amount of people they were interviewing as well i think it probably would come very much uh, going through the motions okay, uh, yeah, i guess so uh, police were actually very annoyed and frustrated that they couldn't catch him this, this had now become headline news and it was mm. causing chaos for the police force they were under massive pressure uh so the police carried on with their investigation and they still weren't getting anywhere in december mm-hmm. uh peter attacked marilyn moore um not yeah. only did marilyn survive but she was the first victim to be able to give an accurate description and now they had a composite sketch that was in every single police case station and every single newspaper in the country. It was everywhere, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. everywhere. Um, you'd think this would be enough to make Peter go, you know what, maybe I should stop now. I mean, your picture's out there, or like at least a good sketch is out there. And, <clears throat> and it's he a good had sketch. a particular look. Well, he had a particular look to me about him. Like, yeah. I feel like I would be able to notice him. Yeah, and the sketch okay. was good as well. It, it wasn't yeah. a bad sketch. And the police yeah, set up yeah, a, sure. So the police set up a system. What they had, it was called a ticket system. So they had a massive call centre with like 400 people working at it. And when they received a call, let, let's say you ring up and go, I think my uncle may be the Yorkshire Ripper. Yeah. What they'd yeah. they do is they'd write your uncle's name down on a card. And they'd stick it in a big Rolodex. Mm-hmm. And then if they received another call from someone else who said, I think this person's uncle is the Yorkshire Ripper, they'd yeah. go and check. And if there was two there, they'd give that to an officer who would then go and interview that person. Um, yeah. Peter appeared in there a few times, but never got interviewed. Mm-hmm. But I'll get to that later. Yeah. Of course he didn't. Uh, <laughs> it's just shocking. It's absolutely shocking how bad it was. Um, yes. In January 1978, he was informed that he was no longer part of the five pound investigation. Um, so they'd stopped investigating the five pound notes and they discounted him because his alibi checked out. Um, the team they put together to catch the Yorkshire Ripper was called the Ripper team. So literally they told him that 
you're not part of the investigation. And funnily enough, less than a month, he killed again. Yeah, That's... because he because they they're just letting him go scot free with everything. Yeah, like they That's... literally are. It's like, oh, what's your alibi? What were you doing for fourteen seconds? You yeah. couldn't have. You couldn't have done it. No, exactly that. Uh, this time he, kill, he killed Yvonne Peterson. He bludgeoned her to death with a ballpin hammer uh, uh-huh. before jumping on her chest, crushing her ribs. Um, he stuffed horse hair in her mouth from a discarded sofa in the abandoned area he was in and then used the same sofa to hide her body. Um, mm-hmm. Ten days later, he killed Helen Ritiker, uh, a prostitute from Huddersfield. So again, this is where he's driven across the yes. other way across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he hit her five times in the head um, as she exited a vehicle uh, before stripping her and stabbing her multiple times. His, oh, okay, so he's very violent. Very violent. And he's got a and, very specific way that he attacks. Well, he he does, but he also has like such rage that he almost doesn't kill them very, how do I put this? in a clean way it is very like messy and aggressive and the fact that he stomped on somebody's rib cage it's not your typical like methodical that's the only word i can really come up with like way of killing it's almost like he had some fucking stuff made him snap yeah it, you know, like they're all crazy, and I said what I said because they are. But there's something that's called, like it, this was more than just being crazy. This was like a rage. This was something it, far worse because of the way he killed him so sloppily. It was almost yeah. like you went in a rage and you just start wailing on him, and that's what he did. Yeah, he did, and it's it's really bizarre because a lot of the reports from the coroners and things will say that the initial attack was very filled with rage. But exactly. like the, the the stab wound, so the, the girl he stabbed 52 times, um, the mortician said that that happened over a, a fairly long period of time. And mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't done in a rageful way. It was very much a slow stab. Every wound I, was, it's, it's, it's not man, nice. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to try to argue with someone that no, has a specialty it, in that field. But that, to me, that's rage. Yeah. Because if you watch anything else and you watch any type of other true crime, one or two times that you stab someone, you're stabbing them. Okay, you're probably going to kill them with the intent to kill, depending on where you stab them. But when you stab somebody 52 times, it is not to kill them. No, you are enraged. Yeah, I I agree with you. I completely agree yeah. with you. Um, at this point, Peter was almost as relentless as the media storm that surrounded the case. Um, it was headline news. It was literally everywhere. They put up billboards that said, can you help us catch the Ripper? They put a letter in the local paper or not in the local, in the national news, which was okay. a dri- which was the headline news front page, our message to the Ripper. And they the police wrote a message to the Ripper saying, look, we know you've killed all these people, but we know you feel remorse. Now's the time to hand yourself in. It's so weird how they handle stuff. Like I, I had a really hard time understanding how that how they thought that was going to work i mean it didn't didn't initially but that's strange it's very strange um he killed uh josephine whitaker who was a building society clerk in 1979 uh she was his what the police deemed as his second innocent victim 
Um, mm. It was around this time that police received a tape recording uh, who thought that it was from the killer. Um, and the tape recording said, I'm Jack. I see you're having no luck catching me. I have greatest respect for you, George, uh, who was the lead investigator. But yes. you are no closer to catching me now than four years ago when I started. Um, this was sent at the same time that some letters were sent to the Daily Mail newspaper. Um, mm-hmm. and police began to look for a man with a Wearside accent. Um, the investigation led nowhere because this turned out to be a hoax. Yeah, because they're just trying to play off of like Jack the Ripper and let's yeah. just it's yeah, like it's to throw them off and you could have thrown a piece of candy in the fucking street and threw the cops off, like the police yeah. officers. Uh, but policing did get better. So if you ever think about doing a hoax like this where there's a serial killer case, this is my advice mm-hmm. to you. Don't do it. Because do it. in 2006, they reopened the hoax letter case and yeah. they they caught the culprit, who was a guy called Samuel Hamble. He was arrested and convicted for eight years. He died in prison in 2019, age 63. Oh, wow. I, I completely missed that. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't... I just missed that so, fact. <laughs> so you, you think if he'd done that in the mid-70s, he's lived an yeah. entire life. He's had yeah. a family, he's had grandkids, and he's probably never probably. told anyone, never told anyone. And then he gets a knock at the door and he gets sentenced to eight years in prison. Oh, that has I mean that's that sucks because I watched recently watched this true crime, it was like deadly women or something, and the woman killed her husband, like caught the bed on fire, like burnt the whole motherfucking house down, some shit, right? And fleed like left said she was being beaten abused she had a bunch of shit on her long story short she lived her life in society for like all these years until she was like grandmother-ish age yeah it's a knock on the door her ass went back to jail like wow. i feel like they got her it was like a whole investigation thing but anyways they found out that she was you know killed her husband so yeah right? so so don't do hoaxes because they, yeah. they even if yeah. it's forty years later they will come around and bite you in the ass and you will regret they, it. Mm-hmm. They can. Um, so they caught him from the DNA that he used to lick the envelope, which in seventy nine they couldn't do anything with, but in two thousand six well, yeah. took about ten minutes to identify him. Uh, in nineteen eighty, Peter was arrested for drink driving. Um, while he was awaiting his trial, he killed a further two victims. So Margaret Walls in August and Jacqueline Hill in November. He also attacked three more women who all survived. So uh, Upada Barbara in September, Teresa Sykes in October uh, and his friend Trevor. So do you remember his unwilling getaway driver right at the very beginning yes. of when this all started? Um, yes. It's alleged that him and Peter had an argument over him telling Peter that he thought he was the Yorkshire Ripper and Peter mm-hmm. attacked him. Um, but Trevor never reported this to the police. Anyway, apparently no one reports anything really to the police except for the one victim and it doesn't do any good anyways. No. Um, before I go into how he was eventually caught, uh, I just want to po- point out he was questioned nine separate times. Mm-hmm. by officers work in the case and he was discounted as a suspect every time mm-hmm. which is mad <laughs> now i would like to tell you that he was tracked down and eventually arrested by the thousands of interviews and hundreds of thousands of hours that they put in to catch him uh but no uh he was pulled over in a routine search in 1981 with a prostitute in his car uh mm-hmm. during the check it came up that his number plates were false 
And that's why he was arrested. He was taken into custody mm-hmm. for having false number plates. Yep. Now, this just goes to show how useless the police were. So at the scene, he said he needed a wee. And they mm-hmm. let him go round the corner to go for a wee, where he disposed of a knife, a hammer and some rope. When he got to the police station, bear in mind they hadn't searched him when they put him in the police car. When he got to the police station, he said he needed a wee again. And they let him go to a wee for a wee before he was searched, where he hid a further knife in the cistern of the police toilet. <laughs> I cannot. I'm about to shit my pants. Like... I, they didn't think he was a serial killer, but they knew he had fake plates. But it, they let him, they it... let him go to the toilet twice. Okay, it doesn't matter Typically, I would think, and if there was something suspicious, like pay attention to your surroundings. Don't oh. be a dildo. What are you doing? You just, it, it's like if you got pulled over and you're like, hold on a minute, I have to go take a piss by the by the tree. They're not going to let you do that now. They're, no. they're going to be like, no, you <laughs> might run. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, not only that, how, <laughs> how did he get from his car stood in front of a policeman to go for a wee. Where did he put the hammer, the knife and the rope? Where were these things? Were they just like in his hands behind his back? And he just like shuffled. It just, I just don't believe. It's like a, um, it's like a Looney Tunes hole, right? Where it's like, and then they open it, all the shit goes down and it's like anime. This is so fucking crazy. I, I, I don't have any words for the, these people. No, they're really, really bad. Um, He was questioned regarding his plates. um, And during this questioning, they realised that actually this guy looks a lot like the poster we've had in our police station for the last year and a bit. What? I don't think. (laughs) Uh, And they start asking him about that. Uh, It was at this point they decided they were going to keep him in overnight. And for this, Mm -hmm. they needed to strip search him. Yeah. Now, in the strip search, there is a hidden gem that didn't appear in much research and didn't get released to the public till 2003. Okay. Um, underneath his jeans, he wore a V-neck jumper with his legs in the arms of the V-neck jumper and the V-neck exposing his genitals. I don't, I'm yeah. not trying to laugh, but what I'm trying to picture it and I'm like, it's like a romper, like that's like yeah. what we call a jumpsuit, I guess, like a romper. Like, was he a baby? Um, yeah. Now, the jumper he had on had padded elbows, and it was believed okay. that he had adapted this to assist with his murders because he could obviously have his genitals out because he'd done horrific things to these women when he yes. was stabbing yeah, them. He uh, but yeah. also, he had knee pads built into the arms of the jumper. Um, after two days of questioning, he confessed to be the Ripper and he had a fantastic excuse why he done it. Um, and I'm saving that for extended cut because his excuse yes. was just gold. I was like, fuck, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty I, sure we're on the same page. I, I think we both know. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I read it and I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, yeah. He pled not guilty on 13 charges of murder and guilty to seven counts of attempted murder. Mm -hmm. Um, He done this using diminished responsibility, which is effectively the UK's version of the insanity plea. So he basically pleaded not guilty on means of insanity. Um, He was diagnosed schizophrenic by four separate doctors uh, to verify his, his plea. 
Um, the judge dismissed all of this, overruling all of the medical advice. And went, I'm sorry, my friend, you will stand jury, you trial by jury. And the judge okay. didn't have any of it. Just like, no, I don't care. Um, yeah. even, even in the court, when all of these expert witnesses come up and spoke for the defence, the judge told the jury to strike their comments from the record in his summary. Mm. The judge was not having any way. There was no yeah. way he was getting away with it and going to a mental institute instead of prison. But it sounded like the judge in this whole situation is the only one with any fucking brains. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he was sentenced to 20 life sentences to be served back to back. Um, mm-hmm. the life sentences in the UK don't mean life. Um, so the judge imposed the mm-hmm. strictest part of this he could. Um, he said he would serve a minimum of 30 years before parole could even be considered. Okay, he was already like in his 30s, late 30s. Yeah. So, so okay. That, I mean, if you got out, you could still do things. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, the judge yeah. gave him the harshest punishment the judge had within his arsenal. He couldn't give any more yeah. than 30 years without parole, so he'd done the best he could. Before we talk about his time in prison, we're going to talk about some messages we've received from listeners this week. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but both of these messages come as, as a form of a DM on various social medias and t- took yes. me a bit off guard because oh, we get messages, but we get messages from people I know as regular listeners and these were new listeners yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah, really yeah. excited so uh, the okay. first message come from a, a listener called Sarah um, and she messaged to ask if she had the right Instagram account because obviously the true crime one's gone now we're just at you run podcast yes, yes. Um, so I said yes you did and thank you very much for listening um, she then went on to say that she works nights and she binged our entire back catalogue of episodes in two days that's awesome, though. Yeah. Uh, she thinks we're both fantastic and wishes awesome. the show was weekly. Aww. Yeah. I, I, do t- I do, too, at times. But I think if you guys know or if you listen to Scott's 5,700,000 podcasts that he already has and also guest stars on, we just don't have the time. And I'm super pregnant. And, and not only that, I think emotionally i think doing this weekly would break me <laughs> it would absolutely I feel like, me. well you know what if it doesn't break you emotionally somebody else is gonna break your ass and she's sitting in the living room bye yeah this is very true <laughs> <laughs> um it brightened my day to get this message it does whenever someone reaches out through social yeah. media says that they like us and it it makes a big difference to everyone knows that i struggle to do true crime it is it is hard for me and to get a message yeah. where someone goes actually you're doing a good job meant a lot so sarah thank you very very much yes thank sarah thank you so much especially thank you for binging our shows because that's awesome that yeah. makes me happy too because it means that we're doing look we have fans and we're doing something fun and, and entertaining so somebody likes us <laughs> yeah uh- Saying somebody like us, I got a message on Twitter, uh, and, and Heather's read it, which is why she's laughing already. Uh, so I, I read a message, and the message goes like this. I love the show, especially your sultry British accent. Oh. Um, I don't want to sound weird or anything, but I find myself often being aroused by your voice. Oh. Uh, is there any chance of getting a few pictures sent of you, maybe without your top on? Lots of love, Jacob. <laughs> I'm gonna snort like a damn pig. But anyway, why your top off? Like you're a boy. <laughs> you don't have like titties. 
because he just wants to look at your body. I right. want this. Yeah. I want to talk to this person. <laughs> You're sultry. Sultry. Um, I don't really know what a sultry voice should sound like, but I feel like because you and I record often together and I don't know. Some people, hey, I mean, I get it. Like you have an accent. A lot of people, especially people in America, like we like accents. We think they're cool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you to take your top off. Nice. Just, I, we're not we're not that close like that. I love you. Yeah. Keep your fucking top on. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I record. I, I recorded once topless with Mark, and Mark has never got um, over that in the middle of the summer. Um, he was fine. He was fine. He he's fine. Uh, Jacob, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Um, as for topless, <laughs> I'm not going to send you a topless picture. However. We do have a calendar for 2023, which is coming out. Me too. And <laughs> big spoiler, one of my photographs for that calendar is topless. Okay, so I when can't that, wait to see it though. <laughs> so when that calendar is released, you can buy a topless picture of me and I will let everyone know on every social media when you can. Anyway. Hey, Jacob. Jacob <laughs> has big energy. Like, okay, this was on um, Twitter. 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 Mm. Twitter. Okay, well, see, I try to do an accent. Ain't nobody asking me. Y'all don't want to see me. I'll show you my belly. It's just like feet pics. Y'all want to see my stomach? DM me. I'll show you my stomach. I ain't showing you my top. (laughs) I'm just saying, Scott, you got to stop being so fucking sultry. You're just turning people on. Look at you. I know. I know. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, hold up. Anyway, back to the topic. <laughs> uh, Peter was sent to HM Pinecast, which is or was in the 70s used to house kind of the worst of the worst. Um, uh, there's there's lots of documentaries you can go and watch on that prison to give you an mm-hmm. idea of what that prison was like. Yeah. Um, he wanted to go to a mental institute and the judge overruled that. He also yes. wanted to be sectioned and put into isolation so he wouldn't be attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, the judge overruled that as well and stuck him in gen pop. He went straight well, into general population. I mean, who really gives a shit if he got hurt at that point, right? We, it's just like with Dahmer going into general population. Like, it, he shouldn't be treated special? No, uh, and he wasn't. He yeah. was viciously attacked in 1983 uh, well, by... A- whatever. Uh, a prisoner named James mm. Costello stabbed him in the face multiple times with a broken coffee cup. Um, yeah. He had to have 40 stitches to repair his face. Um, it was it was after this in early 1981 that he was sectioned under the Mental Health Act um, mm. and he was sent to Broadmoor Hospital, uh, which yes. if anyone's interested, I lived less than a mile from Broadmoor Hospital when I was growing up. Uh, we would cool. often hear the sirens go when they would do tests. And I remember in the mid, mid-90s, mm-hmm. someone actually escaped from Broadmoor and those sirens went for 24 hours. And I remember like my parents being panicked and like locking all the doors and locking all the windows. Yeah, because, because you don't know if they're violent, if they were well, let, you know, they escaped. From, from Broadmoor, they would have been violent because that was for the criminally insane. That's that's right. That's right. Because I also read that... Um, the Hannibal Lecter, kind of the, um, oh my God, that guy, yeah. the cannibal, yeah. who claimed to be that from the story. Yeah. Y'all can't talk. Y'all know what the fuck I'm trying to say. 
he was there as well. So yes, you are correct. They they house very very violent, mentally yeah. unstable people. Yeah, and that siren you, was scary. It it was like That's an scary. air raid, like an air raid siren. All um, sirens are scary. Yeah. <sighs> Um, his wife wanted a divorce, uh, funnily enough. Peter Sutcliffe's wife wanted gone and shot of him. Um, it took her from 1989 yeah. to 1994 to get a divorce because he kept refusing to sign the paperwork. What an arsehole. I mean, do y'all not have the laws? Okay, so, like, here in America, like, you could refuse to sign it, but at some point, you're going to get into trouble. Like, you're going to you're gonna get divorced, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's not like you being a dick saying, oh, well, I'm not signing the divorce paper. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. It just took a long time to get to that point. Yeah, you're procrastinating it, so you're pissing that other person off, but you're not, you can't stay married to them when they don't want to. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, he was attacked several more times in prison. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he had an inmate in 2003 who tried to strangle him. Um, in 1997, he lost the sight in one eye when an inmate stabbed a pen in his eye. Um, in 2007, another inmate attacked him in a canteen with a knife, vowing to take his other eye. Um, but he also got some good treatment in prison as well. So his father died um, in the early 90s and mm-hmm. he was given day release. Um, so he was escorted, but he was given day release to go to where they scattered his father's ashes, which I find insane. And I remember I, he- I was wondering that is see that that like messed with, with my brain again, because I'm like, I don't think they do that here. No, I, no, I and, uh, it's so. not a normal thing here. So it went Mm-mm. so high up. So it went to the Home Secretary at the time, which is like as high as you can go in government. And yeah. he he approved it on the condition that he was escorted. I think it was four officers he had with him, uh, and they had they closed off the whole area and had police cars and helicopters and just the expense to do that. I just don't think he deserved it. No, I mean I, I just feel like the legality of it. I'm not even understanding how they would allow that for anyone, violent no. or not, not violent. No, I, it, it's that's weird. I don't know. It, it, you say that, but I think I'd feel differently if someone was in prison for possession of weed with the intent to supply. I'd feel less bad about them going to well, their yeah. dad's funeral than than a serial killer who'd killed and attacked double digit figures. That's the well, yeah, I I get that. I'm just saying, like it sounds so crazy to me that they would let, regardless of what you did, anyone out for. A yeah. pass. <laughs> it's so just, bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, in November 2020, COVID actually done something good. This is going to be a controversial take, uh, as it yeah. killed Peter Sutcliffe when he was age 74. Well done, COVID. It's not, it doesn't. It's not controversial. I would not say that at all. I mean, like he was a bad dude, and you know, yeah. maybe they wrote it off as COVID. There's your controversy right there. Yeah, it's <laughs> really very knows. true. Who really knows? But either way, yeah. I mean, like. He still lived a long fucking life. 74? Yeah. Us healthy motherfuckers don't live to be that old sometimes. So it's like, there you go. Um, There's not a lot more on this case that I want to talk about on the main episode. There's lots in Extended Cut that I want to talk (laughs) about. Um, So on Extended Cut, we're going to be doing... I'm going to give Heather a chance to go off on our UK police force as we talk about all the things they've done wrong. 
stupid idiots. I mean, anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about that because I'm already about to assault fictional people in the air that aren't even here with me right now. I'm just whatever. Um, We're going to I'm going to share his excellent excuse for attacking and killing multiple women and scaring people for an entire decade. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're also going to talk about the accusations of additional victims that are, are even in other countries. Um, but until then, Heather, over to you. It's time for me to sign us off. Okay, guys, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end this one with a little PSA. Sometimes I end our episodes with a PSA. You know, my biggest PSA is like, don't hitchhike. Don't <laughs> fucking do it. No. Okay, don't do it because you're gonna get killed now. We're talking about 2023. It's not safe. Do not hitchhike. Just I don't know what else to tell you except keep your ass safe. Keep your shirts on. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, this yep. shit's getting, our podcast has done turned from six to midnight. But, <laughs> but until next time, you guys stay safe, keep it spooky, and we'll see you later. Bye. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the You Run podcast. Don't forget, you can get involved in the show in so many ways. All you need to do is head over to yourunpodcast.com Yeah, you don't want it to sound like you're literally reading from a script. That shit, sorry Heather. That's right, this is your show. It's fun. It's different. It's like nothing else out there. This is your true crime. This motherfucker.